Righteous, ratchet, real. Real, real. Righteous, ratchet, real. Righteous, ratchet, real. Righteous, ratchet, real. Real, Righteous, ratchet, and real. Real, real. I feel exposed. Okay. Welcome to the Righteous, Ratchet, and Real podcast. This podcast is for people who love God, but sometimes side-eye the church. We're three friends balancing the secular and sacred, the righteous and ratchet, as we discuss current topics through a gospel lens. We might say some things we're not supposed to. But you are probably thinking it anyway. You know how we say in the church. Charge to our head and not our heart. We're going to keep it real. Good day, everyone. Good day, good day, good day. Welcome to another episode of the Righteous Ratchet and Real Podcast. We are delighted and we are thankful that you've joined us today. Of course, I'm joined by my girls, Renee and Takesha. Please say hello, ladies. What's up, y'all? Hey, hey, hey. And I am Greta. And today we want to address um, how we might navigate the holidays when we are having or experiencing compounded grief. And uh, I have to admit two things. I was not really even familiar with the term compounded grief. Um, And so this has been eye-opening for me. But also as a pastor, now that I know what it is, um, I I can tell you that I see it in some of my members. Um, And it's really tugging at my heart right about now because um, I just have several members who have really had a hard year. Um, and so, uh, right now is a very difficult time for them. So let's, let's just kind of start by defining what grief is in general. Um, when we talk about just normal grief or regular grief, that's referred to as uncompounded or uncomplicated grief. I didn't know that either. Um, what we call normal grief or uncomplicated grief is the natural response that we have to losing someone or something uh, that's important to us. We might feel a variety of emotions that range from anger, sadness, or even loneliness. And with this type of grief, symptoms are most intense uh, for about six months. And, but, not and, but these emotions, these feelings, they lessen, gradually lessen over time, okay? But when we talk about compounded grief, uh, the Mayo Clinic, calls it complicated grief. Georgetown psychology calls it cumulative grief. Uh, This is grief that we say is just bereavement overload. It's grief that's piled on or grief that occurs back to back over a short period of time and you do not have enough time or have not had enough time to process it. Uh, This grief is a piling on effect of layered grief that doesn't really get better over time the way normal grief does. Um, So it's just one loss after another. And and also with the holidays, um, the holidays are tricky because even if you've experienced loss, whether it was back to back or really kind of in general, even if that's been a number of years ago, 
the holidays are difficult because of the flood of memories that we have uh, during the holidays. And, and this flood of memories often triggers or reawakens grief that we thought we may have processed, but in fact, we only repressed it. I thought that was interesting. Um, so ladies, how are the holidays for you? Does this time of year uh, bring you an abundance of joy or do you feel more sorrow? And if you're, if you feel more sorrow, how do you deal with the grief and the range of emotions that you feel or experience? Okay. I guess I'll start. <laughs> uh, so the holidays are always complicated for me. I have a long historical um, Grinch-like mentality when it comes to the holidays. Um, and I, you know, we'll, we'll talk about all that later. But um, I, I can say last year, uh, end of 2022 and the top of 23 uh, were complete trash. Um, mm -hmm. You know, thinking about compounded grief, there were five people in my life who I lost from uh, the middle of December into early February. And one of whom was born on Christmas and just mm. everything Christmas. She was just such a Christmas, oh, you know, wow. bunny. Um, and so, and then after that, we lost our dog uh, about a couple weeks after, you know, and I also um, eulogized uh, all five of these people. Oh, wow. So, you know, the holidays, uh, and a couple of years ago, you know, there were a couple of crises that happened right Christmas Eve, you know, day before Christmas Eve. So for me, the last few years in particular, it just has been trash. Mm. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. on top of me not really being a holiday person anyway. So gotcha. as much as the, se the season brings joy and happiness, I love that for everybody else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love that for y'all. Yeah. So yeah, that's my experience. Okay. So I'm a definite Christmas person. I was like, much like your friend, Ronnie, I was like being born, I was actually supposed to be born on Christmas. My mother was just very adamant that she was not going to be in the hospital for Christmas. She was not giving up her Christmas for this baby. Wow. And so she was like, she did everything possible. <laughs> she was like, I walked, I ran, oh, I wow. squatted. She was like, I did everything. So I came a week early, exactly a week before Christmas. And so I have always felt like the holidays are for me. Like I was like, everybody's decorating, but it's for me. It's for my birthday. So Jesus and I share the glory. No. <laughs> but this year is interesting. This year has, um, has been what, you know, made me think about compounded grief is that I feel like this year I have not had a chance. And honestly, even before, right? Because we went through COVID and we lost, you know, as a yeah. church family, we lost a number of people. And then, you know, you never got to do the whole grieving process. Uh -huh. This year, we also lost several, you know, church members. It was like, we could not catch a break. It was every, uh -huh. you know, um, report. AME yeah. folks, you understand every report we're, we're naming, you know, someone yeah. who has passed. And uh, if that was not complicated enough, then it hit, you know, personally, you know, I lost two friends mm -hmm. and a um, and Aria's dad this year. So mm -hmm. this year, I think, has been 
um, the year of, of, of compounded grief and that mm -hmm. idea you don't have the chance to catch your breath, but then right. also you don't have the chance to kind of reorient yourself mm -hmm. and figure out what the next looks like. You haven't had mm -hmm. that opportunity. And so um, we did during our cancer episode, we mentioned Valerie and, mm -hmm. you know, I was like, her birthday is on my calendar. We're both Sagittariuses. Mm -hmm. And so every year, you know, we reach out or happy birthday each other. And so, uh, you know, it's going to be Monday. And I'm, every time I open up my calendar, I look and I'm like, this is so crazy that she won't be here. It wasn't expected. You, you know, like I just expected our routine to be there mm. and it was not. And I'm like, you know, it just really, honestly, the last time that we had a chance to speak to each other mm. was when she wished me happy birthday mm -hmm. last year. And so wow. all of that is is here this year and I'm really being reflective and not as joyous um mm -hmm. as I normally would be around this this time of year. You so I I want to I'm I want to say I'm glad you brought up covid because covid affected so many people in different ways especially those who lost loved ones. And, and like you said, sometimes you couldn't even catch your breath because not only were you losing people or fighting the illness itself or just dealing with the barrage of news uh, about COVID, you know, with that, with our news cycle. Um, and a lot of people are still dealing with the losses that was suffered during COVID. And I, I you know, I think about our children. I, I have a niece who uh, graduated during that time. So hers wasn't a loss of people per se, but just a loss of the whole senior experience. And so I think about the kids who graduated at that time and didn't get to do prom or they didn't get to do any number of activities. And so, um, and just even, you know, how our children deal with that, how we're dealing with that. So COVID was a, was and is um, a real consideration when we talk about compounded grief. So I'm so glad you named that. And yeah. I'll say just from the perspective of a pastor, I, I I have, I think I have more joy than sorrow for Christmas, but I definitely have sorrow. Um, I still mourn, of course, the loss of my parents. Nothing has been the same after that. But as a pastor, I grieve for the people in my congregation who are grieving. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. uh, that can be kind of overwhelming sometimes too. So, um, yeah, I, I lean heavily into Christmas. I love Christmas, always have, but I find myself leaning very heavily on my family, you know, my immediate family in my home, uh, at Christmas and making sure we do all the, the Christmas things to just to enjoy each other in the time of year. So um yeah 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 um so when we talk about the righteous aspects since we're righteous wretched and real uh, psalm 34 18 says that the lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit uh during times of compounded grief or heavy grief what have you done or do you do anything um that helps you experience the closeness of God? Or have you felt as though God wasn't close? Hmm. 
and to give you a minute just to think. So I'll talk about that. So um, for me, what I do to feel kind of the closeness of God, I mean, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's embedded. I guess I'm a little lazy with that. But being a pastor helps because I'm I'm trying to shape the worship. I'm trying to preach the sermon that speaks to other people. But we know that it always speaks to us first. So it's like I feel like I experienced the closeness of God through that process and then through the services themselves. Mm -hmm. So it, it is kind of built in in that respect. So I don't I'm not doing extra things, so to speak. I'm just trying to make sure that I'm sensitive to to hearing the spirit about how I can craft those things for other people. And then I'm blessed in that process, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. I'm glad you said that too. the the, the process of, of sermonizing. Um, one of the things that has always given me solace is the already not yet. Uh, theological position of Jesus has already come, but mm -hmm. there's certain things that are not yet, right? Mm -hmm. The kingdom mm -hmm. of God hasn't been established fully yet. So in this season, when we talk a lot about hope and expectation and, and waiting, mm -hmm. you know, it, that does help me temper some of the grief and some of the feelings I have about this season mm -hmm. um, because the completed work of Christ was, was done. Mm -hmm. But the realization of it, you know, yeah. not happen. It's the not yet that we're living in and mm -hmm. living out. So yeah, that that's that really does um, typically help me in in my navigating the grief of the season. My friends are such pastors. <laughs> They're so deep. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, but to Ronnie's point. Advent, definitely the concept of Advent, you know, and our churches being liturgical churches that embrace that is definitely a helpful part of the process. Um, I think for me, the answer to this question is twofold. Sometimes there's nothing. Sometimes there is, uh, and to kind of lean into that whole idea of Advent, sometimes there is silence mm -hmm. and there's just sitting in the emotion of what yeah. I feel and that there's, you know what I mean? I, I, I don't necessarily feel God mm -hmm. yep. and I'm just going through the motions of what I know showing mm -hmm. up and doing and waiting for the closeness of God to, mm -hmm. to come and to be felt. Mm -hmm. um, and so then sometimes, you know, there is that it, it just all of a sudden you feel it. Mm -hmm. And you don't necessarily feel it in a way of, you know, and, and this is for me a critique of the church mm -hmm. because black church loves to, you know, we want to shout the people, come on, shout, mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. praise, come on, let's go up. And I'm like, sometimes life is so heavy that, that I don't, yeah. don't got to praise. Yeah. All I got is my faithfulness that I'm in this seat or all I got is the faithfulness that I woke up and I brushed my teeth. Like mm -hmm. that is all the faithfulness, faithfulness that I have right now. And right. so I would say that sometimes the closeness that I feel in the heartbrokenness of these times is the tears. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, the, the sense that there is something there, even as I'm crying, there's a sense that there's something there. Mm 
that is greater than myself. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and just to the, the, the point or to the question of felt feeling that God wasn't close, um, I'll definitely say I've been there, um, you know, and just asking, where are you? You know, so that when you talk about the whole sense of Advent and this being a waiting period, I think that's so important to name um, and to be okay with saying, yeah, right now I don't feel as though God is close. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I know God is there, but as far as feeling God, uh, no. Um, <laughs> and and sometimes we don't feel like that's okay to say because we're so Christian-y and so churchy. Um, but how you feel is how you feel. Okay. And, so, and, and I'll say, you know, because I know I have members who right now do not feel as though God is close. Um, I'm trying to be a little bit more intentional this year about creating spaces for them to come and, and to lament and not try to shout, you know, shout the praise and all that stuff. But I, I feel like they just need a space yeah. where they can come and, and share if they want to. And just to lament the fact that I don't feel good. Um, this is hard. This sucks. And however that's going to look. And of course, you know, today, the, the terminology we associate to those types of services, we may call them a blue Christmas service. Some people call them services of remembrance. I saw the other day, someone called it a service of consolation. And so, like I've mentioned during these services, um, you know, the people who come are called to remember the person, the people, the things that may have been lost and are given space to just feel and name what they're feeling should they choose. Um, these services sometimes include singing and prayers and scripture readings, uh, but there's really no set way to offer the space. It's just to make sure that you are leaving space for it to happen. At least that's how I feel. And, and allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and to shape the service uh, so that the needs of the people are, are met. My question, ladies, is have you ever participated in a service like this? And if not, or in addition to, what does your church do uh, for members who are grieving during the holidays? So when I was pastoring, one of the things uh, we did was and this was particularly during COVID, um, is that we didn't do it at Christmas. We did it at, at uh, New Year's Eve. Mm -hmm. uh, we combined watch night with uh, a segment, a, a large segment of the service to remember those who had passed on during that year. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was a time of us remembering. Uh, we put photos on the screen. We had quotes from family members and friends. Mm -hmm. We lit a candle. Um, and, and just spent time in silence as well, um, just leaving space, just leaving space for whatever needed to come up for people. Yeah. So that was a really beautiful thing that um, we could offer people because we understood it was just so hit that right. COVID years in particular, you know, on lockdown and all of that was just so, so, so heavy. Mm -hmm. So we did that. But the other thing I wanted to, to name is that now that I'm working in, an, in the interface space in an academic setting, um, Dia de los Muertos has been a, was a phenomenal uh, mm -hmm. observance and way uh, for folks uh, 
um, who, who don't even really have to, you don't even really have to know a lot about uh, Latin or, or Latinx culture to understand what Dia de los Muertos does for people. Mm -hmm. um, but it is a, a sacred time of remembrance in October where people put, you know, uh, pictures of their loved ones and some of the favorite foods that they liked mm -hmm. or, or favorite items that they liked on an altar. And they, you know, light candles and they just leave the altar in their either have it in their homes or they can have communal altars mm -hmm. as spaces to remember. Because as long as you remember, you know, that person's spirit is alive, alive, right. in, alive in your life. Um, so this year, participating in that, even at the same time, naming um, since it happened after October 7th and mm -hmm. the, uh, the issue in. Uh, uh, Gaza, um, we were able to name people who mm -hmm. had been killed. And mm -hmm. we also named people who were killed in Sudan and people mm -hmm. who were killed, you know, in other places that are still not getting talked about and right. in Ukraine, that there's still a war there. So, so my point is that there are lots of ways people can engage um, in remembering and mm -hmm. it's very helpful in, you know, discharging a lot of that grief. Mm-hmm. 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 I'm sorry, y'all. My uh neighbor's dog is outside, and so she was just barking at Lord knows what. I don't know, leaf rolling by, who knows? I'm sorry <laughs> on your face. Hard <laughs> on your face. So we have had um, remembering service is actually a very common um, practice mm -hmm. for um, the church that I was um, at previously. And so we always asked people to share pictures and we created space for them to name names and light candles. And, you know, um, look, we said we even got a little, you know, African spirituality in there. I was mm -hmm. like, and we were, we were nervous the first time we did it. All right, y'all, come on, let's pour libations. I'm yeah. like, maybe, uh, you know, we got the, the tree and we poured it. I was like, we weren't sure how people were going to mm -hmm. do it. We, you know, um, done things where we had them, you know, write names on rocks and take mm -hmm. them back with mm -hmm. them. So we've always uh, intentionally kind of crafted those spaces for people mm -hmm. um, to do that. And so for me, it was an important aspect because my family did not necessarily do very good with mm. intentional ways of reflecting on people that have passed. Yeah. My family is like, all right, you know, we we, we readily tell stories about mm -hmm. them. And so they live with the stories. So from generation to okay. generation, it's honestly like, you know them, you know, mm -hmm. but we don't necessarily, you know, intentionally do silent reflection. Mm -hmm. um, so it was, it was good for me to, you know, see a practice where we actually take the time out intentionally to say, hey, you, you were a part of us. And mm -hmm. so we still remember you. Amen. Amen. I think that's so important for people and, and people need that. And it, you know, you brought you brought up about families. It's it's always been weird to me that we would have family members die and it's like a taboo to bring them up. And I don't get that. And I'm like, so, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why out my family is like that. We're not as much as we used to be, but it's like no, people stop talking about them. 
I'm like, I don't want to talk about my mom and dad. What? <laughs> and, he, and I remember specifically with my aunt, I would talk about my mom, her sister, and she would just kind of go silent at the beginning. And then the more I talked about her, the more she felt like it was okay. And so we began to actually have a good exchange and I could ask her things. And so it was just like, just really weird. Like, what? Where does that come from? So you say that, and it reminds me of a friend and um, her mom, and she had not, um, you know, like my friend just said, like, she never talked about her dad, Mm -hmm. like, never, never, never. And she couldn't understand it because she always, you know, brought up stories about her grandfather and how special uh, he was. But for her mom, it was to relive those stories was to bring pain back. And she just not wanting to do that. Mm -hmm. And so it took her a long time to finally, Mm -hmm. you know, be able to to say it. And I remember my friend calling me and being like, you know, my mom actually talked about my uh, grandfather, Mm -hmm. but she had just been in a very long stage of grief. Mm -hmm. And it it was too painful for her to relive the memories of her Mm -hmm. dad. So for some people that could be, that could be it. That makes sense. I mean, because when I would bring up my mom, especially early on after the death or whatnot, it looked like she was in pain. And, but, you know, if I said something funny that mom would do, she would laugh and she would say a little bit. And each time that it was like, I honestly think it became a way of her processing. Like it helped her to process what was going on. And so uh, it became helpful, but I think you're right, Keisha, because, you know, she would look like she was in pain, like it hurt her to talk about her. Um, but that, you know, that changed over time. But yeah, I, I think you're probably right. All right. So let's switch over to ratchetness because um, I, 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 I have to name this. This is so ratchet for me because I, I hate it. Uh, the ratchetness I want to call out. With grief in general, compounded, uncomplicated, complicated, all of it, are the super duper saints mm. who say all the wrong things, thinking they're saying the right things in effort to try and console console those who are grieving. Um, but like my grandma used to tell me, she would say, if you don't know what to say, don't say nothing at all. Mm. And so sometimes we forget that just being present and available to people is all that is needed in those moments. But I still find, and, and it's not as much as it used to do, be, but I still find people who want to say, God won't put more on you than you can bear. Mm. God was ready for them to come home. I've even heard somebody say, oh, wow, you still grieving? Yes. Um, how long are you going to grieve? God doesn't make any mistakes. And even though you don't understand it right now, this is a good thing because God causes all things to work together for good. Please stop that, y'all. Please and thank you. I mean, please. Please. I, I know that what you what you're saying, what you I know that you think what you're saying. I don't even know what I'm saying right now. It's not that what you're saying isn't true. Okay. But you have to ask yourself, 
is that the needful thing to say in this moment? Is not, this not really going to help the person in this moment? Because if I'm hurting, when I've been hurting, I didn't need nobody telling me God calls all things to work together. I, that was the last thing I wanted to hear because right now I might be pissed and angry at God and you just compounding my anger. Now, I, I want to push back a little bit, Greta, push it. is it ever going to be good that my mama is dead? That my daddy, is it ever going to be good? It's I feel really you. Good. I feel I, you. That's a I, good push. I, 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 I know that there are some people who are listening right now who will say it ain't never going to be good that that mm -hmm. person is dead. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is the absolute wrongest, <laughs> wrongest thing to say to someone. That's a good uh, push. Because, you know, God does cause our lives to work together for good. It's true. Uh, but I, in my lived experience and in my study of the word, I don't know that our God would say it was good that she died. It mm -hmm. was good that he died. Right. I, I am uncertain. And so, I mean, yeah, the, the you know, listeners can can push back on me uh, if they like, but I, I am definitely not convinced um, that those things are mm -hmm. in the category of the all that's in the text. I just, yeah. there's a, yeah. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, I feel and that. I think it's often, it's like, for me, when I even look at that text on a regular and I think about any traumatic thing, I'm like, it's despite. Mm. Right. Mm. Despite. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep, mm -hmm. yep, yep, yep. Yeah. If I ever have, if I've ever had a pet peeve when it comes to church folk, that's it. That's my pet peeve. That's, that's the thing I cannot stand. Because what we don't realize is that we are reharming and, and deepening people's trauma when we do that. So that's that's what burns me up. Um, what about you all? What is something that just burns you up, or what are some of the cliches you've you've heard? And I call I know there's scriptures loosely some of them, but to, they're still cliches. What are some of the ones that you all that burn you up or cliches that you've heard where people have tried to comfort folk and just miss the whole mark of comfort? God uh, needed another flower in his garden. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. yeah. What? What are you talking about? My family member is a flower in God's garden. Come on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I will say that as a young minister, I said it and I cringe every time I think about me saying it. I said, if she, even if she could come back, she wouldn't. Mm, I've heard that one too. Mm -hmm. Because she's with her Lord. Yes, definitely. And I, 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 to this day, I wish, oh God, I wish I could take that back. Mm. Oh God, I wish I could take it back. Yeah. Huh. <sighs> You know, this discussion is so important and I think it needs, you know, when we talk about like the work of what we believe we're called to do here at the Righteous Ratchet and Real podcast, I believe that this is the heart of it where we are helping people to have this conversation that 
churches have enabled us to just kind of live with these things Mm -hmm. and to then just be disruptive to it. Because I pray that anybody that listens to this podcast hears this part. The one thing, if there's one thing to walk away from is how it is that we speak to those who are grieving. We don't have to be the answer. Right. Sometimes we just got to be the presence. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yep. Amen. And and my other pet peeve are people who try to have all the answers. If you don't know, just say you don't know, or say you know what? Let me let me look that up and get back to you. Reminds I- me of Job's friends. <laughs> You're like, look, y'all got a litany of what you think God is doing. I'm like, okay. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But yeah, you know, it, it's it's a, it's a lot of pastors out there who feel like it's a weakness to say they don't know or to, you know, it makes them look stronger or more authoritative. I don't know to have all the answers. I'll tell you in a minute, I don't know. There's nothing more humbling as a pastor and that will show you you don't know everything is it when a child dies there is no explaining that there ain't no explaining that and it and a child that we prayed for and fasted mm. for and on our faces for listen yeah that experience yeah shook me to my core Mm. and to this day she's only been gone a year but Mm. i I, I, there is no like you you know nothing Mm -hmm. you know nothing as a past you know nothing you can't Mm. nothing and if you try you there's nothing you can say that's gonna make that make sense it's just not Mm. so the only thing the best thing, the needful thing, is for you, Pastor, to keep your mouth shut. Past the tissues. Right. Absolutely. Um, to Greta's point about pastors, one of the things that I loved about Renita Weems and so true, I, I, and it made me feel not weird <laughs> as a minister she said that she would look at her friends who would preach Mm -hmm. and they just always seem to have answers. And she was like, for her ministry, God gave her questions. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I feel so often that I preach and I'm left with questions that I'm wrestling with God with, or that people have to leave and wrestle with God with. And so um, I even saw recently a preacher said Jesus often at Jesus Jesus in his teaching and preaching style often asks questions, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah. so there is something to be said about us acknowledging that we are leaving out of a space with a question. Yep. Mm-hmm. With a God, why did you do this? God, why did you allow this? Mm-hmm. And that you know. We don't have the answer. And so to Renee's point, you know, we can't have the answer for why it is that Mm. a two-year-old passes away. Exactly. I'm like, you 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 cannot say to a parent, you know, any any dumb thing that you want to, 
you know, that, well, you don't know what the Lord was saving you from. They might have grown up to be F you, like F you. You know what I mean? Like, just all right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my thing has always been if we have all the answers, what's the need for faith? Okay. Mm. Say that. What's Say the that. need? So, all right, moving on. So the real for me in this in this thing is just to remind people that grief really is nothing to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, as you've heard in the definition, compounded or un- or complicated grief is unprocessed grief. Uh, and when grief goes unprocessed, research shows that it can it can become detrimental to our health in the form of heart disease, stress-related ulcers, and other digestive issues, and even cancer. And that's just to name a few. Also, when we're deep in deep emotional pain, it's tempting to try to numb that pain in very unhealthy ways, whether that be drugs, alcohol, sex, uh, food, or even work. Some of us just work ourselves to try to take our mind off of the pain. But these are only temporary fixes, guys, that will not make us heal faster or heal better or feel better in the long run. In fact, they actually and often lead to addiction, depression, anxiety, and even emotional breakdown. So before we go, uh, we want to actually talk about some healthy ways that we can begin to process our grief. We know, we know that therapy, having a good therapist, those are, those are of course, great and wonderful ways. But whether right or wrong, not everybody is wired for that or wants to talk to a therapist. Let's just be real. Um, even though we know the stigma around therapy has lessened uh, over the you know past years or so, we still know that there's a great deal of distrust, discomfort, and all the other things that are connected to going to a therapist. So with that in mind, um, other than therapy, how have you, how do you process your grief? In other words, are there practices or things you've done that have worked for you that you would recommend to those who might be shy about seeing a therapist for processing their grief? Creating things um, with your hands in particular, so Mm -hmm. painting or pottery or knitting, crocheting, or, um, you know, doing something that will allow you to express your creative side, writing poetry um, or writing in general. Um, Lots of things to engage that, that part of yourself um, one of the things I always say in my meditation practice is that we are co-creating life with God. Mm-hmm. And so emulating what God does in creation by being a vessel for creation yourself, mm-hmm. you are allowing yourself to be, um, you know, to, to, to have control over certain things, right. Over what you create. And being in grief sometimes makes you feel like you're out of control. Like, you know, what has happened to you mm-hmm. to your loved one, you know, is something that you could not control, but your creation, you can control. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's something that I typically recommend long walks, 
um, mm-hmm. engaging your body um, in exercise. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes that's a good way to, to clear your mind mm-hmm. um, and just allow the Holy Spirit to, to come and, and sit with you while, you know. Amen. Yes, that whole idea of somatic um you know, treatment, that movement, that music, drumming, those types of things that help you uh, dancing and releasing. Mm. For me personally, though, it has been and always will be journaling. Mm. And, you know, I I was like, bless Apple's heart for coming out with journal uh, in this uh, new update. But for me, it always has been the practice and so like I'm so funny when I look at my journal sometimes it'll be like months before I don't don't you know some people have a daily journaling Mm. practice Mm -hmm. I am not necessarily the daily journal journaler but Mm -hmm. baby go through something grieve something Mm-hmm. need questions, you know, and I'm like, you know, my prayers, I'm writing them out. I'm like, I'm talking about my emotion. Then I go into saying, yeah. God, I'm really pissed at you. Like, why would you even, you know? And so there is this experience. And so y'all, even I think sometimes I'm going to whisper this. Sometimes part of what we need to do when we're grieving is tell God how angry we are. Mm. You know, yeah. I'm like, I've actually even cussed at God. All right. That's all. I'm going to second that emotion in terms of journaling. That has always been my thing. Well, that has become my thing. Let me put it that way. That has become my thing. God meets me on those pages and we get to the root of some stuff and it has worked wonders for me. Um, I will say when you journal, be ready to see yourself, mm. especially if you are honest, because it ain't always pretty. Nope. And you'll be left like, oh, God will break you down in a good way to show you what's going on. And so, um, and, and then having to be like, oh, wow. Okay, God. Yeah, I guess... <laughs> You're right. I see that. But being honest with what you come away with on the page. Um, I've been shook a couple of times. I'm like, oh, God, that's there. That's it. That's mm, yeah. Okay. Anyway. So, yes. And yeah, I mean, when I think about the book of Psalms and some of what we read in Psalms. Yeah. Those people were pissed and angry. And, and, and had questions. So I don't understand why we have been so you can't question God. Mm. You can't be angry. I mean, that when I read some Psalms, that's all I'm reading. So for me, that gives me permission to, to express what I'm feeling in the way that I'm feeling it. And so I really try to encourage my congregation through that as well. And so, um, yeah, I think that has bound us for many, many years and led to more frustration, more grief even. And so, yeah, I encourage you, you know, I ain't encouraging you to be mad at God, but I'm saying it's okay if you are, because what I've learned is that God is big enough to handle your your anger. And it's honestly the grief cycle 
If mm-hmm. we yeah. talk about the grief cycle, anger is one of the right. phases of grief. And when you are a believer, I believe that it is natural sometimes to get to that place where we're angry at God because we're like, God, I was praying. God, I was believing. God, I know that you could have just stopped this because that is your power. And so part of that anger is a working through to get to the next phase. Just because you act like it's not there doesn't mean that it's not there. And until you deal with that, And allow God to even minister to that. Because to me, when we're honest with God, we give room for the spirit to deal with that part of where we are. Yes. And and, uh, you brought up something, Keisha. I got to name this because Howard John Wesley preached a sermon at Candler. And that sermon was called And Judas. And the point that he made was that before Jesus got the disciples, before he named his twelve. He had spent all night in prayer and still ended up with Judas. And so is it that sometimes we can pray and still end up with something that we did not expect, but that was still God's will? Because if there had been no Judas, there would have been no cross. Mind drop. Just just Google that. Google that Howard John Wesley Candler conference. It'll bless you. So. That was a little side note. Anyway, mm-hmm. we want to leave you with this resource. Um, and I actually really just came across this resource this week. It's called griefshare.org. Griefshare.org. And the thing about griefshare.org is wherever you are, you can find local resources, uh, community resources in your area. Um, who may do online or even in-person in-person groups to help with processing your grief. So there are resources uh, on, on the website itself, but also you can key in like your zip code or your address and find local organizations, churches that are having these groups for little or nothing. Um, as a matter of fact, I have a good friend who's leading one tomorrow. Well, the days don't matter, but who's leading one? The cost is like $5, but that $5 cost is to cover the material that you will receive um, digitally and um, through the mail. So, you know, it's a minimal cost if, if there's any cost at all, but it's a free, cheap resource um, that you might could use to help with processing your grief. And so again, that's griefshare.org. And so we just absolutely want everyone to have the best and most beautiful holiday possible. We know sometimes that's easier said than done. Um, But if you're dealing with compounded grief or even normal grief, please know that there is hope and that there is peace for you. Ladies, do you have any final thoughts or words that you would like to offer? I think just that it's okay where you are. Mm. If this is not a good year, mm-hmm. you got more questions than answers. It's okay. And I think that there's some years, what I'm learning is there are some years that it's easy, it's wonderful, and there's some years that are difficult. Mm-hmm. Just honor the truth of where you are. And you don't have to explain it to anybody. 
If this year you don't want to put up a tree and you're normally a person who puts up a tree and goes caroling and does all that stuff and you're like, this year, I just don't feel it. Don't push yourself to do something you don't want to do. Honor yourself and what you are feeling in this season. That's good. That's good. That is good. So again, the already not yet. We're in the already, but not yet, but, but one day God will. So just continue to, to walk or sit or lay right where you are and do what you need to do. God is still present. And Renee, before you started speaking, you just did a big exhale. Sometimes it's just us breathing in the moment that we are in. Mm just the inhale and the exhale um, to be in the moment where you are. Um, and to the fact that you are breathing, the fact that you are breathing it can be in itself um, your testimony, your resistance, your reflection, your remembrance. Um, so breathe, breathe and, and know that we love you. Know that we are thankful for your tuning in and sharing your time with us today. And um, we hope that you have a happy and a very blessed holiday. Peace, everybody. I just want to close with this affirmation. When I saw your piece in the notes, it reminded me of this affirmation on unity. Centered in peace, we broadcast peace on earth and goodwill to all that are grieving. Amen. Amen.